All right, troops, welcome back to First Time Films. It's Truff here. We're ready to go. I am joined by a very, very special guest today. Please welcome it as the boat himself. It is Brad Gilmore. How are you, Brad? <laughs> I'm good, David. Thanks for having me on the show. That's right. I am the boat. Hashtag yeah. best of all time. Hashtag Brad's opinions are true. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you for having me on. Yeah, it's great. Like, obviously, we're going to get into it. You are a host, a professional host, a podcaster, um, and also now an offer, uh, which is the main reason we have you in today. So we're going to talk about that a bit later on. But very exciting times for yourself, Brad, right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Uh, I, uh, when, I was, when I was younger, you know, I think everybody thinks, like, man, what am I going to do when I get older? Like, what, what's <laughs> going to be my path? You know, and even through college, you wonder, I don't know, you know, man, you're working this job, you're working that job. Definitely didn't think that I would be a television, radio host, uh, yeah, podcaster. And the last thing I ever expected to do would, would be to write a book. So uh, <laughs> I'm adding the slashes to my to my Twitter pro- profile, but um, it's, pretty, it's been a pretty fun couple of years. Yeah, you're running out of spaces in that bio, mate. You I know, need, I, need, I need I need more than 280 now. I need more than 280 <laughs> characters. <laughs> you're going to need to write a, nov- a novel in itself to try and describe <laughs> what you do. Um, so I take it back to the very beginning, Brad. I want to get to know you a wee bit uh, when we're doing this interview. So I've got three questions to start off. And obviously, our first time film is a film podcast here. So I want to know what was the first film you watched in cinema the film you watched the most when you were a child and the film that made you look at films more seriously? Oh man, those are great questions. So, okay. So I'm born in the early nineties. Right. So my earliest memory of cinema is 1997 probably. And it's, it's, uh, the Titanic. Nice. Um, of course I remember being in the, in the theater with my older sister, Brittany and, um, when Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, meets his demise or what have you, she was like, you know, ultimately, you know, bawling out of control, crying, mm-hmm. exclaiming in the theater. So I think that's why it sticks with me. And then um, as far as the movie, I watched all the time when I was a kid. So Back to the Future is obviously up there. I think that's the obvious answer. But yeah. I'll give you a couple backups. Um, the other movie I watched all the time when I was a kid. And if I ever, you know, do anything when I'm, you know, look at the history of film again, or a book or otherwise. Mm-hmm. I, I love this movie. It's 1996. It's Christy Swanson. It's Billy Zane. It's Catherine Zeta-Jones. It's Treat Williams. It is The Phantom. I oh. love that movie more than probably anybody in this world or more than <laughs> anyone should. Uh, I, I can admit that it's probably not the greatest piece of cinema ever created. Yeah. But I, I do I do love it. It's like my, my guilty pleasure. And then um, as far as the movie that made me look at film more seriously, which is, a, which is a great question. There's two that pop out in my mind. I went to the theater, I think, three or four times and saw James Mann, Gold's Walk the Line, uh, mm. the story about Johnny Cash. And I think that was 03 as well. And um, it was one of those movies to where, you know, I'm from the south in the United States. I'm from the yeah. great state of Texas. And we take our country music pretty seriously. So Johnny <laughs> Cash was somebody I grew up with my entire life. And... Um, so to see his story told in such a brilliant way by James Mangold, uh, I really enjoyed. And then the other one was, you know, Martin Scorsese, The Departed. Nice. When I saw The Departed, I was like, this is how you tell a story. This is how you have a beginning, a middle, an end, twists, turns along the way. Um, you have Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Leo, uh, Matt Damon, Alec Baldwin, just a phenomenally talented cast. And, you know, it, it was great to see Marty finally win the Oscar for that one. So th- that, those would be my answers for, for those for those questions. Yeah, they're all wonderful answers. I wanted to actually go back to the Titanic answer quickly because obviously I was born in 1996. 
So when it comes okay. to the sort of Titanic fever, I just need to take people's word for it. But from what you can remember at that time, like, was it as big, like, as people say, or the hype around it? Like, what what was that like? Yeah. So I mean, I was real young. You know, I was in I was mm-hmm. in probably kindergarten. Um, but I, I do remember it. I remember, you know, turning on the local news and everyone talking about Titanic. I remember yeah. my sister, you know, she had the Titanic poster on her wall. She had the um, she actually had the VHS, which I think the movie was so long. It was on like <laughs> two VHS tapes or something like that. Wow. Like I, it was some crazy. Um, and I just remember the hype was real. And that was really where you saw the um, the rise of the star of Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. You know, once once that movie hit. Every every teenage girl here stateside and I'm sure worldwide um, loved Leonardo DiCaprio, and that's when he kind of became a staple, at least in my in my life. Yeah, it seems it's interesting because I'm looking at someone like Timothy Chalamet right now, and you can see sort of maybe parallels between it. But I wonder what's going to be the role that puts him in that same sort of like a, a, a spotlight as DiCaprio at the time of Titanic. But it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and James Cameron's such a kingmaker. You know, I mean, in yeah. a lot of ways, you know, he made Leo's career. He made um, Arnold in a lot of ways with with the Terminator. Yeah. So I think that Timothy's going to have to link up with one of those <laughs> big name directors yeah. and, and have one of those blockbuster type roles. Because, I mean, the Titanic shouldn't have been the highest grossing movie of all time up until last year. Mm. Um, but it was just like you said, the fever around it was so crazy and um I realized that I in, in in those questions. This is off topic, but I realized in those questions that I just answered, Billy Zane is in almost every movie that I just mentioned. <laughs> He's in Back to the Future, Titanic, and The Phantom. So maybe I have a thing for Billy Zane. I don't know, but really? um, um uh, yeah, you know, hey, I could, it could be I could pick a worse actor, but um, yeah. yeah, man. I mean, uh, Timothy Chalamet, I think, is really interesting because I talked to, to about him on my Back to the Future podcast. We did this thing with a guy, um, a friend of mine named Kevin Smets, and. We try to like recast Back to the Future for 2020. So if if the movie were coming out this year instead of back in 1985, who would be the actors cast in the roles? And you know, there's some obvious ones like Tom Holland, Robert Downey Jr. I mean, those are names we threw around for Marty and Doc. But Timothy Chalamet was my my you know outside the park pick for George McFly. And I um I think that he might fit the bill. But anyway, yeah, I, I I the Titanic thing, I still don't get it. I've only watched the movie maybe twice, but it it was big, man. Nice, nice. I love that. So you alluded to this earlier, Brad, when you said you didn't know like you were going to be where you are now back when you were in high school. But what were you like in high school? That is the question I want to ask. And what were your aspirations back then? Yeah. Um, so when I got into high school, I um, I had a couple friends, a really close friends, Avery Davis and uh, William Yancey, Trey Yancey. And um, we, we hung out all the time and we were we were into music. And at the time, this is like, you know, early or I say mid 2000s, 06, 07, 08. Mm-hmm. And we were um, we, we were making music at the time. You know, I was in the music program at my high school. I was nice. in the choir and in in, in piano. Avery was in band and, and we have a group uh, named 2011. Mm-hmm. And uh, we still we still you know, put out a record last year. But, you know, we still we always made music. So I always thought music was going to be my 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 passion and i was never somebody who i think that you would necessarily say oh man he's so talented right he's so talented man he's so great at this he's so great at that i was i was an adequate singer in the choir i could barely move my fingers in in piano or or the music program but i just had i had an affinity for it and i wanted Hmm. to be good you know and i think that hard work there's a there's a houston texas 
a hip hop legend named Bun B. Uh, mm-hmm. And I met him one time, one time, and we had a conversation. He said, "Hey, man, hard work beats talent ten times out of ten. Yeah. And I remembered that, and I just remembered trying to work harder than everybody else. And then, you know, the group started to get some notoriety. Uh, we were talked about in all the local papers. You know, we even got a record deal. And I thought, okay, music's going to be the way. And then we um, went to go do an interview for a radio station in Houston. And at the time, it was the biggest online station in the state. And mm-hmm. it was called Local Live Houston. It had a lot of critical acclaim awards and, and whatnot. And um, I uh, we went and did this interview. And then afterward, the guy who ran, the program director, came up to us and was like, hey, y'all are super fun. Y'all should host a show on this on this yeah. network. Yeah. We're like, what? I mean, one <laughs> interview and we're like being offered a show. So we took him up on his offer, but it didn't last long because the other guys in the band didn't really. And I don't, you know, I, I'm not speaking out of turn when I say, I don't think that they loved it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I really enjoyed having the conversations and talking to people and, and trying to be entertaining over the air. So that show only lasted a couple episodes. And then they came to me and they're like, hey, would you want to just do your own show? Yeah. And that was when the Brad Gilmore show started. And that was really, once that happened, that is when everything started to come into focus. But to go back to your original question, yeah, it was about music, man. I, you know, we made hip hop and, and, you know, a little R&B, a little pop. And I was just focused on, you know, being the next big thing in the, in the music world. Yeah. And it's interesting that one passion for a sort of creative outlet led to another one. Uh, that arguably you were more passionate about you getting this opportunity in. So it's like you say, it's just hard work leading to the more opportunities for you. Um, and more opportunities came along. Obviously, you're co-hosting the Hall of Fame podcast with um, Booker T. I don't know how many WCW championships he won. You know, I don't think he'd tell you. I don't think I don't think he'd like to really. No, I mean, yeah, it was like there's like three or four. Yeah, maybe, maybe six or a number in between those. Yeah, something like that. Um, but I wanted to ask you, like, obviously, Booker T, absolute legend of the business, but who was your favorite wrestler growing up? And what was it like when you started a reality of wrestling with Booker T um, and meeting Booker for the first time? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was probably five years old. I was scrolling through TV, and it was how most people discover wrestling, especially back then. You just kind of flip through channels in yeah. the late 90s, and you just try to find something to watch. And I remember being in my living room, and I saw Monday Night Raw, and there was Stone Cold Steve Austin, and it was at the height of his popularity. And I was like, "Man, what is this?" You know. And then you see the Undertaker and Kane and and Mankind and all these dynamic characters and Mr. McMahon, and I was hooked. So as yeah. a kid, you know, my favorites were Steve Austin, The Rock, and Shawn Michaels, and 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 for the most part, those stayed my favorites. And I remember I went to my first wrestling show in Houston, Texas, Toyota Center, like June 2006, maybe, probably. Nice. And um, the main event for the World Heavyweight Championship was Rey Mysterio uh, against the defending champion, Booker T. Nice. Uh, and he was King Booker at the time. <laughs> and um, and the most royal, most majestic king of them all. Why well, I um yeah, and I, that was the first time I saw a wrestling show. And then you fast forward, you know, half a decade, and I'm sitting in that man's office and interviewing for a position with him. And it was it was crazy. So that was the first time I met him. So I saw a tweet on Twitter. I'd fallen out of wrestling, wasn't watching at all. 
And then, you know, like a lot of people do, you wake up in the morning and you scroll through some of your notifications. I'm like, who needed me during my slumber? You know, who <laughs> needed to speak to me? Who was reaching out? Who had me in their mind? So I'm looking yeah. on Twitter. I was following WWE and WWE tweets something about Booker T. I'm like, oh, man, Booker T. Booker T was the coolest, man. And I was like, I wonder what he's doing. So I click on his profile and there's yeah. a tweet saying, looking for an announcer. Uh, for reality of wrestling, email Paul Cook. So I, you know, shot him an email, completely lied about my experience, said that I was calling, <laughs> you know, high school football games and, and basketball games, which I wasn't. But, you know, I put the radio <laughs> stuff in there, which I was doing at the time. And I got a call a few weeks later and they asked me to come in for an interview. And the first time I went in, Booker wasn't there. And I mm -hmm. completely fumbled the football in the interview. I mean, I was, I was dog terrible and they're looking for like a play-by-play -play commentator i even tried like to throw in a joke and it was about donnie and marie osmond which was even out of date for my age group <laughs> and even my sister's age group and it was just it was just bad it was yeah. bad all the way around so um i uh I, I thought man i really messed that up and then went home was upset about it and then i got a call the next day from that Paul Cook who used to run the run the gym, and he said, "Hey, our ring announcer got strep throat, oh. and have you ever done ring announcing?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course, of course, I've done <laughs> ring announcing. Never done it before in my life." Yeah. And he said, "Well, come in tomorrow. Booker wants to meet you." I'm like, "Great." So I'm trying to make this story short, but anyway, I, I wake up the next morning, and unfortunately, I was stricken with my second case of Bell's palsy which is right. a, um, uh, a facial disorder, you know, paralyzes half of the face. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, man. And I went in there with Bell's palsy and all. But I sat outside of Booker's office for an hour and a half waiting for my name to be called. And um, I always heard in wrestling everything's a test. So I thought they were testing me. Turns mm -hmm. out, like, as I've gotten to know Booker, he just was talking and forgot I was out there. But <laughs> I thought it was a test. And I, um, I went in there and met book and, you know, the rest is history. And then it was, um, that was November, 2012. And then February, 2015, he called me and said that he had gotten a job working for a local radio station, sports radio, 610 in Houston. And would I join him, uh, on his show? And I said, yes. And we did that show for about three years or more. And then we had the opportunity to move over to ESPN and start the hall of fame. Nice, man. And obviously, you've worked with Booker for a very long time now. I wanted to ask, mm -hmm. what's your favourite thing about working with Booker? And obviously, when you work with someone that close, you must pick up in some, like, habits, or does he have any, like, pre-recording rituals or something that's quite funny, you know, about his behaviour? You know, the best thing about working with Booker is you're always going to laugh. You know, <laughs> I mean, he is somebody who has overcome tremendous adversity in his life to be successful and to be a successful businessman, trainer, father radio host television host wrestler hall of fame twice you yeah. know but he is so funny he could have had a he could have had a job as a stand-up comedian because mm -hmm. he is really that hilarious and i think that's my favorite thing working with him is it's not work you know um i, I i've never worked one day with booker you know what i mean it's <laughs> yeah. always been like i've been hanging out with somebody who i idolized as a child and now see as a contemporary and a peer and um and we laugh all the time. And, and I think that as far as lessons from him, he's got this saying that I think with, you know, when all this is said and done, I will never forget for the rest of my life. And he said that um, his mother taught it to him. And it's if you're 100 percent about something, you speak up 100 percent of the time. Mm -hmm. If you're 99 percent, you keep your mouth shut. 
And yeah. what I love about that lesson is just if you truly, if you feel it truly feel so strongly about something, you you need to speak up. If you have even an ounce of doubt in your mind, it's not worth dying on that hill. And I think that mm. that's such a great, especially in entertainment, it's such a great thing. There's a lot of things in entertainment to where it's like, oh, man, look at this politic or this guy slighted me or look at what he said on Twitter. I need to respond to him. And a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. man, to be successful, you just got to let that slide. Yeah. You, know, you need to not worry about it. And that's why I, I think that that little nugget of, of wisdom that he imparts on, on not just me, but every, all of his students at Reality of Wrestling or any, anybody that he gets the opportunity to speak in front of is, is really the one that's always going to stick with me. Yeah, I love that. And uh, just the highest compliment I can pay Booker is that my dad watched wrestling when I watched it. And even to this day, he's asking me, you know, what's, what is that King Booker guy still kicking about? You know, so it's like, <laughs> it, it really stuck with him, you know. Um, just moving on to another project you're involved in, Brad, um, is the movie Trivia Schmodown. Of course, you and Frank, uh, the hosts of the Schmodown Rundown podcast. Um, so what was it? I just wanted to ask, well, how did you get into the Schmodown? Um, and what was your first sort of experience with it? Yeah, you know, it's another one of those things of, you know, I discovered wrestling by clicking through channels. I discovered the Schmodown by clicking through videos on YouTube. And um, I, you know, I mean, I've always been up until a few years ago, I would say like a a more than casual movie fan. I think that, you yeah. know, I always paid attention to directors and, and then I started kind of paying attention to cinematographers. I'm like, oh, Deacon shot that. Oh, man, it's going to look great. Yeah. And, and, um, and so I, I think I was just looking for something to to watch about. Maybe it was an upcoming movie. I can't remember exactly, but I saw you know movie talk was a thing on on a, that AMC theaters did here in the states, mm-hmm. and there's they were talking about this competition they were going to have you know between these two guys they were going to battle in trivia or what have you. <laughs> and I was like, what are they talking about? And I kind of thought it sounded silly. Yeah. And then it came up as a related video, and I'm like, hey, you know, I've always liked game shows. I like movies. This sounds like it's going to be a movie game show or something. And I watched it, and I'm like, wait a minute. This is like pro wrestling. And for people who don't know, <laughs> the Movie Trivia Schmodown is a legitimate competition game show that's done on, on YouTube. But it has characters. It has storylines. And it has champions. It, and, and everything is – it's a mix of a real sport with UFC and with WWE. And yeah. um, I immediately got it. I understood it the second I saw it. And I was in. And then I, I remember showing it, you know, to book and being like, man, you know, they have a rabid fan base. And they're, it feels like a wrestling show. And I reached out to the guy who created it. Uh, his name's Christian Harloff, who still mm-hmm. runs the movie show showdown today. And I, I just found his contact email on, on Facebook or something. And I just emailed him out of the blue. and was like, hey, name's Brad Gilmore. Work with Booker T. Think that maybe we could do something together with the Schmodown. And... He responded back. He was like, hey, if Book wants in, he's in. And I'm sure Christian, when he saw it, he's like, who the hell is this guy? He's saying he's got Booker. He probably doesn't know Booker T at all. Yeah. But whatever, right? And then I ended up – we ended up doing like a little video for him and and for with Booker talking about the Schmodown, sent it over to him. And then there we go. Uh, we're involved. Yeah. And I didn't do anything – as you know, except for shoot help, you know, produce the segments for Booker to be on their show. And then uh, they have this after show called the Schmodown Rundown that was with these three guys, Aaron, Frank, and and Brian. And they uh, I think one of them couldn't make the show that week. So they called they they DM'd me and they were like, mm-hmm. Hey, uh, when, can you come on the show? 
as a guest or something. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I went and did it. And then next thing you know, Christian, uh, one, of, one of the hosts leaves and Christian Harlov calls me. He's like, hey, Aaron Turner's leaving the show. I know you only did one guest appearance, but I think you'd be the perfect host. Nice. And I'm like, let's do it. And then that has led me on another huge journey. I mean, I'm talking to you a couple of days after I just got back from Atlanta, Georgia, doing yeah. a, a sold out show with about 450 people strong in Atlanta, hosted the movie trivia Schmodown. And, you know, it's taken me to New York twice, uh, yeah. uh, to, uh, Los Angeles. I mean, all around, I mean, even here in, in Houston, we, we've done one event. We're having another one in April 25th here in Houston at the Booker T world gym arena, the home of reality of wrestling. So it's, it's been crazy. And, and I love doing the show. It I mean, it's definitely a, a niche audience, but it's growing as a sport. And I think with the rise of esports and 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 stuff like that, we're going to see the movie trivia Schmodown, you know, be larger than than anybody could have ever dreamed of. I love that. And obviously, you talked. You're just back from Atlanta, of course. It's Dan Merle, uh, Ben Bateman. You know, the greatest of all time versus the the greatest right now. I believe was the villain for that. Just to pull back the curtain um, on that live event. What is it like on you know game day? Uh, what's Christian's sort of demeanor like? And what are the was there any funny stories from any of the competitors coming out of Atlanta? Um, well, yeah, there's definitely funny stories because uh, when I got my travel information. Um, I looked at my hotel reservation. I saw I was rooming with a guy named Tom Dagnino. Oh, geez. Uh, Bo- Bobby Gucci. <laughs> you sound like you're familiar. Yes, and, Finstock. Um, <laughs> Finstock. He's definitely a, a dynamic character. And so just being in, in <laughs> sharing a, a room with him for two nights definitely uh, lent itself to some funny stories. But I'll tell you what, man. This is the thing about the Schmodown that's so crazy is that people don't realize. They're like, that's ah, a movie trivia game show. This is serious yeah. to the competitors. They take it mm. very seriously. I was at a dinner the night before with Christian Ben Bateman, who was the current champion at the time, and Roxy Stryer. And we were, all we talked about was Schmodown, and Ben was kind of telling me his, his study strategies and what categories he was looking at. And I mean, and then the game day, you know, we're all riding over there in the same van, and Ben and Dan uh, are in the same vehicle riding over there. Oof. And then we're all in this small little elevator. And they were, you know, I mean, it's not like there was any like friction, but there's there's tension because they're battling in the main event. Yeah. And then they, they had to have even go to their own separate rooms. Christians running around like crazy that mm. day. And it's a wild atmosphere. And then when the main event came, I uh, watched it actually in the crowd with Dan Merle's mother. I was sitting next to her <laughs> in the crowd watching it. And then um, when it got into the sudden death round, I went up there, you know, on side stage to get ready for my my interviews. But I'll tell you, man, there's really nothing like it. And, I, and I've done wrestling. I've done you know music shows. I've hosted f- anything you can think of. I, I've pretty much hosted it from crawfish boils to fashion yeah. shows to, um, you know, uh, charity basketball games to everything. The, the Schmodown has a really unique energy and such a passionate fan base who travel. I mean, a lot of these people who are in the crowd, they're not even from Atlanta. Um, They're from all over the place. They travel just to come to the shows. I remember when we did our show here in Houston, I mean, there are people who flew in from Finland all the way to Houston, Texas, just to watch watch the movie Trivia Schmodown. So, you know, man, it, it, it was crazy on game day. And I can't wait for the, for the public to see this match as a whole because, which I think it should be available for most people now on, on YouTube. It was the greatest match of all time. 
And to be in the building for that and to have any anything to do with it, you know, even my small part of just talking to the competitors right afterward, it mm-hmm. it was it was really a, a piece of history. Nice man, I love it, and I can't wait to I can't wait to watch that match myself. But I want to get in, Brad, to the the main event of the evening, so where you have written a book, um, and it's called "Back to the Future: A Celebration of the Greatest Time Travel Story Ever Told." Just to start us off, right? What can people expect? A, a blurb, a sort of summary. What can they expect when they pick up your book and start to read it? So, first of all. It's crazy that I'm even talking about that I have a book coming out, but um, <laughs> what they can expect is this. So I've been a fan of this franchise my entire life. Mm-hmm. There's not been one you know, year that's passed that I haven't watched these movies multiple times in that year um, from the moment I discovered them in the, you know, the early 2000s. And I think that what a fan can expect or anybody interested in the book can expect is a fan's love for what I believe to be the greatest original pure trilogy of all time mm-hmm. i think that you know there's 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 been no other trilogy out there that has stayed just three movies in that universe you know star wars now has what uh, 10 or 11 films yeah uh, indiana jones is working on their fifth one jurassic park has more movies the only other pure trilogy is the godfather and let's be honest godfather yeah. part three kind of takes a nosedive so yeah. i think it's the greatest pure trilogy of all time and i think that the fan can expect to learn background information, to learn things about the movies that they actually never knew, read my own theories. Like I, my favorite chapter in the book is chapter five. It's called American Time Story, Old Man Biff, and it talks about this deleted scene that's in that's in the movie, and uh, it's it's not in the movie. A deleted scene from Back to the Future Two, where Biff disappears after he gives himself the almanac, and I think it's such an important pivotal scene. Boom, wrote a whole chapter about it, stuff like that, and um, and the books broken up into three parts just as the movies are and i think that it's also one of those where you can flip around it's mm-hmm. not so chronological you know i think that cassine games did a great book about the making of the entire trilogy and i was like you know people know this you know if you want to know about the 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 all the detailed background information you can go get cassine games book yeah. mine definitely has background information i'm not saying that it doesn't i mean i talk about how the movies came about the relationship between the two bobs where steven spielberg fits in and all that in part one but then part two and three i talk about the animated series mm. i talk about how that came about because not a lot of people know about the animated series the people who voiced the characters um mm. the, the episodes what about back to the future the ride what about the comic books what about the future of back to the future um i talk about all those things and i think that's where the book's going to resonate with the fans because if you've seen the movies you've seen the movies you know them you love them And a lot of the information that I tell you about the making of, you probably already know. That's why I wanted to have these these theories. I wanted to rank the best looks of the DeLorean. I wanted to rank my favorite friends in time. So I have two chapters called The Almanac where I talk about Doc's inventions, how the DeLorean looks. I talk about all the side characters and which ones were the best, which ones were the worst, stuff like that. you know. And and that's where I think people are going to really connect with this book is they can tell it's for fans from a fan. And I think by listening to you, you can hear the enthusiasm radiating off you, Brad, you know. Um, <laughs> and you're so great. You know, I'll be picking up a copy on Amazon. I hope everyone listening um, also uh, gets on and orders this book. Um, but what what was the moment, though? Like, because obviously, like, I've had ideas in the past, like, oh, that would be a great book or something like that. But when was the sort of pinpoint moment where you decided, I am going to go and I'm going to start writing this Back to the Future book? So it was 2015. It was the year 
that Marty and Doc travel in the future, and it was mm-hmm. probably around April. And I was like, man, man, this is the year. We're in 2015. This is so crazy. Nice. I watched Back to the Future 2, you know, January 1st. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy that we're here. And I was like, there's got to be a Back to the Future podcast out there. Because at the time, I was listening to a podcast called Signcast, which right. was about all 180 episodes of Seinfeld. And I was like, okay, if there's a podcast about Seinfeld, there's got to be a podcast about Back to the Future. Boom, yeah. pull up the App Store, look or the Apple Podcast Store, looking for Back to the Future. There's nothing. I mean, there's a couple episodes like reviewing the movies, but nothing dedicated solely to Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's crazy, man. I wish there was a Back to the Future podcast. And then I was like, wait a minute. What if I did a Back to the Future podcast? I yeah. mean, if there's not one out there. Well, I might as well do it. And that's when I started the Back to the Future, Back to the Future, the podcast. And I talked to Cassine Gaines, who I just mentioned, who wrote a book. Uh, Jason Aaron, who directed a documentary about Back to the Future. Jeffrey Wiseman, who played George McFly in parts mm-hmm. two and three. Claudia Wells, who played Jennifer Parker in the first movie. I talked to all these people, and everyone was really receptive about it. So that podcast kept growing. We're actually currently on our sixth season. And I talked yes. to Crispin Glover. I went to the DeLorean headquarters and got to meet the owner of DeLorean and get a personal tour from him and nice. sit in a time machine and all these things. So anyway, those were going on. And then during the movie Trivia Schmodown, there's a guy named Ken Knapsack. And Ken yeah. Knapsack is the pit boss. He's a great human being. Love Ken. He wrote a book uh, about Star Wars called Why We Love Star Wars, which was great. And I was like, man, this is so awesome that Ken has a book. And I was reading it. And I was like, I feel like I could do this for Back to the Future. Hmm. And then, you know, some contact contacts were made. And I actually talked to the same publishing company that published Ken's book. And we just had a conversation. And they're like, well, hey, go put a pitch together. To kind of tell us what your angle would be and you know we'll kind of crunch some numbers we'll talk amongst ourselves and we'll get back to you so i submit the pitch you know didn't really think a lot about it and then they came back and they said hey we want you to write this book and that was the moment <laughs> that i was like oh crap i gotta write a book <laughs> this is real. <laughs> how, how, how this am i gonna do this how am i gonna do this and at the time so get this at the time um i'm, I'm working on the radio show three nights a week right reality wrestling tapings schmodown rundown doing the Back to the Future of the podcast. I'm taking 17 hours of courses at, at my university, trying to wrap up my degree plan and trying to hold hold down the fort with uh, with my girlfriend at the time, you know, making sure that everything's squared away with that and doing all kinds of odd jobs on the side. So I was busy at the time. And then yeah. I said, might as well throw a book in there as well. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so it was definitely a hectic four or five months or probably six months that I actually completely took writing that book. Um, and it was probably a year from the first discussions to it going to the printer. So, um, it was one of the worst creative processes I've ever had in my life because it's, I'm used to talking, right? I'm Mm -hmm. used to turn the mics on. Let's go. Yeah. I'm not used to sitting in a room by myself (laughs) with my eyes staring at a bright (laughs) screen, typing thousands of words a day. Yeah. It was really difficult. It was tough. And I didn't. I knew it was going to be hard. I didn't think it was going to be that difficult and, yeah. and painstaking. And, you know, and it's not like I wrote Moby Dick or The Great Gatsby here. I mean, I wrote <laughs> you know, nowhere near that amount of words uh, for mm-hmm. it. But I, I, I still thought, man, this is a terrible, terrible painstaking process. And when I hit the last period and wrote the end at the end of the book, I was like, thank the Lord hallelujah, <laughs> uh, that I am done with this. And I'm now – but then afterward, it's so funny. Uh, it's it, it's so funny, David, because as soon as I was done and I sent it, I'm off. I'm like, man. And then I'm like, 
hey, I got an idea for another book. <laughs> you know, what I mean, <laughs> I mean and, and that's kind of how that's how it goes. And I think that that's the thing with any kind of creative or artist or whatever. We we torture ourselves, we hate it, and then we can't wait to go back and do it all over again. Because nice. I don't know about you, but I can't listen back to anything that I've ever done. I can't watch any episodes of reality of wrestling or the Schmodown or Schmodown Rundown. Yeah. Um, I, I can't go listen to old pop. I can't do it because yeah. I'm so self-critical. I think it comes from making music is I, I mean, I would record the verse over and over and over and over and over again because mm. I wanted it to be perfect. And I think I learned, man, it's never going to be. You got to just turn it in and leave it as it is. Yeah. And I think that it's it's one of those processes as, as a creator is you hate everything that you do <laughs> and yeah. then you can't wait to do it all over again. I know it's very masochistic, isn't it? It's like Edna Mode said, you know, I never look back, darling. You know, I've just <laughs> it distracts from the now, I think is the quote she says. It's incredible. So I completely, right. completely agree with you. Um, the question, you know, you, you say you allude to the future of Back to the Future in your book. Just to ask your opinion one-on-one, do you think we'll ever see another Back to the Future film, whether that takes the form of another sequel or a remake of the original? Okay, so do I? So I think I have two answers to this question. Mm-hmm. The first is, do I ever think that it, we're going to see one? It's possible, but not for a long time. Right. I think that um, Bob Gale, who's the mind behind Back to the Future, who had the germ of the idea for the movie and, and helped write all three of them, and he's a co-creator of the franchise along with Robert Zemeckis, he has been very vocal mm-hmm. about never being a Back to the Future 4 or a reboot or, any, or a remake or anything of the sort. Um, he, he was he likened it to prostitution, and he said, over my dead body. So <laughs> I think that as long as Bob and Bob are around, we're not going to see it. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think that even after they go, I think that out of respect to them, they can't do it. Right. Um, I, you, know, you know, movie studios, they're probably going to do it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so do I think that we'll see one? It's possible. I wouldn't bet on it. But mm-hmm. the other question is, would I mind a Back to the Future sequel, remake, or reboot? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people hold these, these movies or, or, or whatever. Yeah, movies pretty much, they, they hold them so close to the vest and they're so protective of the franchises. And now oh, don't mess it up, don't mess it up. Yeah. I kind of take a different view of it. To mm-hmm. me, if they go out and they make a Back to the Future remake or reboot or sequel and I go see it and it's awesome, Dude, we got more Back to the Future to talk about. That's the coolest yeah. thing ever. This is my favorite movie of all time, and we got more of it now. That's awesome. You've, you've got a new book, you know. You can, I've got a new. I got. <laughs> hey, I can. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I can do a limited release or a special edition. Yeah. But if I go out and I see it and it sucks, well, okay, I never have to watch it again. I don't understand yeah. what the what the big problem is, and I take actually heat from people in the Back to the Future fan community for holding that opinion. Now, yeah. people blow me up on Twitter all the time, but I'm like, I don't. Here, I'm not, I'm not rooting for it. I'm not saying go make another one right now. I'm just saying if they did, I would be open to it. I'd be receptive to it. I'd go and watch it. I'd check it out. If it's good, great. If it's not, i never watch it again. It's what happened with me with the Ghostbusters movie. I love Ghostbusters 1 and 2. They did the all-female one, Ghostbusters Answer the Call. It sucked. Didn't hmm. like it. Yeah. Thought it was terrible. Never watching it again. And then when I saw Ghostbusters come on TV, I realized, hey, that movie didn't take away from my love of Ghostbusters at all. I still love it as much as I did before. So why would I protest to them making another one? Uh, if it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. It's a, it's a struggle. It reminds me of the, the Scream 5 situation. 
that's sort of going on right now. Obviously, they've announced that a Scream 5 is taking place in some shape or form, but it's the first one without Wes Craven. So I wonder whether it's just the backlash to the original creative team, you know, not being involved in a series that's had that through line, you know, from start to end. You know, I don't know. That's no, I get one. it. And, and and I even felt similar to like when they did Jumanji and it yeah. didn't have uh, uh, Robin Williams in it. I'm like, how are you going to do Jumanji without Robin Williams? And then I went and saw it. And I'm like, hey, this movie was fun. I liked it. I like The Rock. I like Kevin Hart. I like Jack yeah. Black. I like Karen Gillum. I can get yeah. behind this. I love Karen Gillum. Great Scots women. <laughs> hey, man, brother. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I, so uh, I, I understand the concerns. I'm just not somebody who's going to just say no just for the sake of saying no. Don't touch my childhood or don't ruin the franchise. Because mm. I really don't think that you can. I mean, yeah. A lot of people don't like Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But mm-hmm. they still love Raiders. They still mm-hmm. love uh, Last Crusade. So it doesn't really change your opinion of it. And by the way, I think that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull gets way more hate than it deserves actually kind of a fun movie and i like it better than temple of doom but again that's a controversial opinion that i hold that no one else yeah has. i've only seen that movie like once when i was 10 and i just remember the bit at the end with her skull blowing up and i thought that was cool when i was like 10 you know so i've not i've not revisited it since to yeah. see if I, i'll look at it more critically but it's interesting this discussion about you know canon and the way fans receive it but you know brad i'll let you go for the night but i do have three final quick fire questions uh, before we let you go tonight and it's a prediction sure. for the end of 2020 who will be the wwe champion at the end of the year who will be the movie trivia schmodown singles champion and what will be the highest grossing film of 2020 oh good lord okay um who will be the wwe champion by the end of 2020 the wwe champion by the end of 2020 well i'll tell you what i know mm-hmm. in april y'all are gonna be pretty happy over there because drew mcintyre who's a scott He's going to yep. win that WWE Championship at WrestleMania. I'm oh, he's 99% sure. He's I'm 99% home. sure. And I think he'll be the first European. No, no. Sheamus was an Irish-born champion. Yeah. But he'll be like one of the, the first Scott, for sure, uh, to win the WWE Championship. Well, you know, one of the first Europeans. One of the first two, I guess. Um, and then, as, I, as far as at the end of the year, the thing about wrestling is it's so volatile. And it's mm-hmm. you know it's very it varies from month to month, so it's hard to project that. I would have never thought Bill Goldberg would be walking into WrestleMania with the Universal Championship. Oh. So it's um it's it's <laughs> difficult it's difficult for me to say. But you know I'd say put it on Drew and leave it on him. You know yeah. let let him run with it. Let him run with it into the Royal Rumble. See what happens. I like that. Answer. And then as far as as far as the singles champion the movie trivia Schmodown, Dan Merle uh, or Ben Bateman, they're both quality quality choices to pick. I think that. I'm going to go Ben Bateman, actually. He's going to be the champion by the end of the year. Nice. Uh, you have a lot of events between now and then. He's a guy who's who strategizes. He's great at the tournaments, the Ultimate Schmodown Tournament. He almost went – or he did go all the way last year. Mm-hmm. There's no reason I, I think that he couldn't do it again. So I'm going to go Ben Bateman. And the highest-grossing movie of 2020. I'm trying to think of some of the ones that are coming out that are the big tentpole films. I think, you know, obviously Black Widow is going to do well. I don't think mm-hmm. it would be highest-grossing, but it's going to do well. Um, what what are some of the big movies coming out? Yeah, because it's you've got Black Widow there. It's hard because you've got the DC and MCU films are sort of going through mm. a sort of mini rest period this year. Um, I'll tell you which got, one it is. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be Fast and Furious Nine. Will yeah, be the highest grossing one. Yeah. That's definitely going to be it. You've also Soul from Disney. 
you know, it'll perform well for an animated film, but I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be Fast and Furious, Fast and Furious 9. The only one I disagree with you on, Brad, is that I think that the android, Mark Andreco, will be the movie trivia Schmodown singles champion by the end of the year. He's my favorite. Hey, man, look, as far as knowledge goes in the movie, in, in the Schmodown, I think Andreco's a top five all-time guy when you talk about knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Um and, and he's got Roxy Stryer, who's his manager. I'm Team Rockstars this year. That's the team I'm supporting. Yep. But um, I, I, I don't know. Here's the thing. He definitely studies, but Ben Bateman and the people in the Finstock Exchange, they have a different way of viewing things. And you know what? I actually mm-hmm. might... I actually might change my answer. Ooh. There's a guy who's who's new in the movie trivia Schmodown. He's a complete beast, and that's why they call him the Barbarian. The Barbarian. And I think the Barbarian has a real strong shot of being the champion. Um, mm. I think I think my top three would be Ben Barbarian or Brendan Meyer. Those those would be the three people who I could see doing it. Nice, nice. I like you know the kids. You know, a nice, a nice personality, a good guy, uh, just like you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's a good guy. I don't know if he's a good guy or if he has a uh, sniffing superglue addiction, but it's one of the two. <laughs> That's the only two logical explanations. One of the how, two. As to how someone can smile that much, you know. Like <laughs> right. He smiled some Joker toxin or something like that. But <laughs> Brad, thank you so much for talking to us today. We really, really appreciate it. Where can we find your book and when is it going to be coming out? So the book comes out April 14th, I do believe. Yeah, April 14th. And you can get it on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, IndieBound.com, BackFromTheFutureBook.com. Uh, you can go to any of those places and pre-order it now. I suggest you pre-order it so it gets there the day of, um, the day the book is released. Uh, you And it's on Amazon UK as well, so you can pre-order it there. There's a Kindle edition and limited edition hardcover. That's what I'd Ooh, go with. The nice. hardcover um, is going to be sweet, so I'm excited. I should be getting these books in here in a few weeks so I can see them for myself. But um, definitely go to backfromthefuturebook.com. Check out Back to the Future, the podcast. Check out the Brad Gilmore Show. I got really cool interviews that I always drop on the Brad Gilmore Show. I talked to John Schneider uh, this morning, who uh, you might know from Smallville, played Jonathan Kent, and he's one of the Dukes of Hazard. What's well, a pretty big show here in nice. the South. So, um, yeah, I mean, always check out cool stuff I got going on over there. And, of course, Hall of Fame with Booker T and myself, three nights a week. You can go to your favorite podcast app and get that. We talk about everything from WWE, AEW, boxing, wrestling, MMA, the whole gambit. So definitely check that out. Nice, man. One of the most hardworking guys, you know, in podcasting and radio, Brad Gilmore. Everyone, thank you very much for coming in today, Brad. Thank you, David.